You are Locked On Rays, your daily Tampa Bay Rays podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, my name is Kevin Weiss. I'm Ulysses Sembrano. Host of Locked On Rays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one local sports daily podcast network. You can find Locked On Rays on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and Himalaya. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Rays. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play Locked On Rays. Well, Ulysses, as of right now, still no update on if and when there will be an MLB season. So. This has forced us to dive deep into the archives for content. And on today's show, uh, and actually for the next couple of weeks, we will be going through the best seasons in franchise history for the Rays. And I say the Rays because the Devil Rays didn't have very many good seasons. So we're likely going to be highlighting seasons from 2008 onward, if you will. Yeah, never a winning record. So I don't think we're supposed to look back at those seasons for for the next couple weeks right exactly i mean if there's one thing to highlight from the devil rays era is it's probably just that first game first game overall or and the inaugural season because they drew so well i guess apparently right um another thing is maybe like really good games like comeback victories or uh, let's be honest, just the draft picks the draft picks during those years kind of set up 2008 Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, But before we get to that, um, and by the way, a little teaser, today we will be kind of looking back at the 2008 season. We'll kind of go in order of best seasons from earliest to most recent. Before I get to that, I want to mention a couple things. A couple things I learned and found out over the weekend. I, I found out and saw, did you see Austin Meadows is going bald? Or actually... He's going with the bald look. I don't think he's going bald. He just shaved it all off, off the top of his noggin. I, uh, you know, I, I, I think I've, me and Austin Meadows are going through the same thing. Uh, just in different, um, in a different way. Um, you've seen, we, we do FaceTime yes. for these episodes. And you've seen how for the last two weeks, I've just decided to just become so bored Basically, yes. that I've become seven different people with my facial hair. I've tried everything. Yeah. I'm that bored. And I think Austin Meadows reached a level of boredom uh, that only is quantified by the amount of quarantine that he is experiencing. And so he shaved it all off. I've got to be honest. I do not like the look. Go back. He's got to go back to the hair. It's not... Uh, or keep I don't that ball cap on. Yeah, I don't think it's suited for him. Uh, but you know what? Again, I don't think the goatee or the sideburns or a mustache is suited for me either. But you know what? It's quarantine. Let's get crazy, folks. Apparently, Matt Silverman even also cut his own hair. That, that's, what the, <laughs> that's the time we're living in, folks, is that guys are just so bored. They're working on their own facial hair and working on their own hair. Uh, I mean, you should Austin, grow a beard. You Absolutely. should grow a beard. Well, I've tried to, and I can, but I'm like allergic to my own hair, so oh, I'm just no. itching it. It's it's almost like you just rub a cat on my face, and I'm just scratching <laughs> it. It's it's a total 
total disaster. It would not be okay. a good look. Um, yeah, I've seen a lot more like Austin Meadows social media clips recently, like him Dude. jumping out of pools. Wow. That was yeah. crazy. Show of it. Honestly, okay, I don't care what your hairdo looks like. As long as you give me 30 home runs and 90 RBIs and a 280 batting average, I'm okay with it. Dude, I mean, I mean, that was some serious uh, physical strength. Mm-hmm. To jump out of a yeah. pool like that, that's And we've that's talked about no it. He, he, he doesn't look – he's not uh, – he doesn't have the body of Yandy Diaz or Kevin Kiermeyer, but he's sneaky, sneaky athletic for he's sure. Strong. He's a strong dude. The other thing I've learned – uh, and found out. Have you seen Brandon Lau in his garage with the wiffle balls? Yeah, I need to get it. We need to get a setup like that. I know that's pretty cool, man. I mean, what's funny about this is I read an article from Mark Topkin, and if there's a team that can that that's finding a way to get through this quarantine and still keep their players semi productive and semi on track, it is the Rays. Because they're doing all these things as far as, you know, even though you can't have uh, Kyle Snyder work with Blake Snell in person, so to speak, because of the quarantine and everything like that, there's video, there's technology, there's other ways to get around that and kind of keeping guys on track. And I think they're, they're probably definitely doing the same thing with Brandon Lau and like, hey, help me with a setup. Give me something that I can still get my work on my own. And I, I'd imagine Brandon Lau is not the only guy that has a setup like that. Well, not only that, but they're already a franchise that's willing to, you know, improvise and try new things. And what better way? Uh, who's going to be better suited, really, in a time like this where you have to improvise, where you have mm-hmm. to do things you've never done before if you're a franchise that has really no trouble doing that? Um, now, having said that, this is, you know, new for everybody. Uh, I think you're going to find out that uh, whose work ethic is uh, is great, strong, yes. strong, and <laughs> um, you know who who keeps who, who was keeps sitting on going. the couch for two months and just watching Tiger King. Yeah, all, basically, over and over on, again, yeah, basically. And, and 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 we can do that, but when you have to hit 98 mile an hour fastballs and 91 mile an hour sliders then mm-hmm. you probably should be working on your craft and it's awesome to hear that a lot of uh tampa bay race players are doing exactly that yeah the front office is even like prescribing like self-help and motivational books and awesome. podcast and all sorts of tools to just help these guys get through this thing so that's pretty cool an interesting note from uh mark topkin that he reported over the weekend finally before we get to the 2008 season um, another thing I learned and found out is that Tom Brady is moving in to Derek Jeter's house in Davis Islands in Tampa. I mean, that just, that just sounds like such an onion headline. Mm-hmm. Tom Brady moves into Derek Jeter's house just yes. for a couple months. It's, it's crazy, but that's the world we live in, in Tampa. And what's, that's happening. What's so funny about it is that if there was, I mean, it would still be a reported story, but because there's absolutely no sports going on whatsoever, <laughs> like the amount of camera crews and media and looky loos that are driving by, like this guy can't get any privacy, paying 75 grand a month to live in this place, 
living at thirty thousand. That's the rent seventy five seventy five thousand. I think that's what they've estimated. Yeah, I think now Jeter might be giving Tom Brady a Michigan discount because they are both Michigan men, (laughs) and they're both I guess goats in their own respect. So maybe it's maybe it's sixty thousand. I I know it's not cheap. I know it's more expensive than my rent. I'll give it. I'll give it that. Right, right. Is that a thing? A Michigan discount? You think? Is that a thing? I I would imagine they travel in similar circles, and I think that Derek Jeter's probably not hurting for money. So who had whose number? You know, did Tom Brady already had Derek Jeter's phone number, or was it a thing where Tom Brady had to ask Poppy? And Poppy oh. gave Derek Jeter's number to him. Like, how was it? Do you do you think this was? Already it's interesting a thing? because they both were. I mean, great around the same period, right? So As of right, I mean, more people are probably. talking about Tom Brady now than Derek Jeter. A hundred percent. I would say, with how big football is, I would say Jeter probably had to reach out to get Brady's number. Really, even though he's the the landlord. Oh, you mean for? I thought you meant like originally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, yeah. I mean, Tom Brady. Oh, I, I, I bet they've had the number. I bet they've been friends, friendly with, yeah, friendly years. to each other for a while. They probably attended a couple of galas together. Yeah, yeah. Let's call them galas. Yeah, but I'm sure they they worked through some broker, some real estate big wig, and kind of got the deal that they probably <laughs> didn't even have to. They probably didn't even have to be in the same room together, to be honest. Wouldn't you like to be that guy and get that commission? I, wouldn't I like to be Tom Brady or Derek Jeter? Yes. No, or the real estate guy. Yes, I'd like to be commission. the real estate guy, but more so I'd like to be Tom Brady <laughs> yes. or Derek Jeter. I think if this quarantine thing goes on, I might have to make a little trip to Davis Island, do a little drive-by action. And, and do a live podcast from the outside of Derek Jeter's house. That's how bored we are. Do we call it Derek Jeter's house or the house that Tom Brady lives in? Tom Brady's ah, house sounds like a sounds like a uh, a locked on race poll question. Maybe we can. Hey, if maybe there maybe Tom Brady's going to be so bored that he'll he'll make an appearance with us. Locked on race <laughs> podcast. We get Tom Brady on. There you go. Just, Featured guest. Let's go. Hey, there's a connection. He's 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 older than Kevin Cash. There we go. That's her in. That's her go. in right there. All right. Enough nonsense for now. Let's get into. <laughs> The 28, uh, 2008 season after this. From an early morning breakfast burrito to a 12-pack of beers while you watch the game, sometimes you just need what you need delivered fast, and that's where Postmates comes in. If you're like me, you probably start thinking about what to eat for dinner while you're eating lunch. I love food, and that's why I love using Postmates. They deliver food from every restaurant I can think of right to my door. But Postmates doesn't just deliver burgers and sushi. They actually make my life easier with grocery delivery and whatever I can think of delivery to. Convenience stores, clothing stores, you name it. So no more trips to the store. No more late night fast food runs. I don't even have to worry about where to grab lunch anymore. Just download Postmates on iOS or Android. Find your favorites and get anything you want delivered within the hour. For limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app and use code LOCKEDON. That's code LOCKEDON for $100 of free delivery credit with no minimum purchase for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. Okay, Ulysses, taking 
a little uh, flashback to the past 2008 season. Now, this was actually the year that you like got your Rays fandom started, right? You were just a, a buddy in high school or like, hey, this team's pretty good. I'm going to follow them for a little bit and see how they do. Well, I was, yeah, I was in high school and uh, driver's ed f- uh, fell in the morning with Sports Center. So, you know, you don't do anything in driver's ed, basically. Uh, you watch just TV. calling out Hillsborough County schools. Look at it. <laughs> at least in 2008, you didn't do anything in driver's ed. And uh, you watched a lot of TV and Sports Center was always on. And the Rays were always on Sports Center. And that kind of became a thing, like, you know, talking about it in the hallways and like, oh, man, the Rays are good. The devil. Yeah, the Rays, the Rays are good. And there was just this different feeling about the team that year. Uh, everybody got on it, man. It, it was such a cool year to, to to be a baseball fan, especially in this region. And yeah, that 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 that, that definitely turned me around. Uh, by by, I think July, I was hooked. You know, uh, by by the All Star break, I was like, you know, not missing a game. And uh, but the postseason, I mean, I was yeah. You know, you you couldn't miss a second. Uh, it was it was unreal. It really was unreal, and that's also a time when like HDTV was just getting into its groove. <laughs> yeah. So like, it's funny because you, I mean, really to enjoy the game, you almost had to go to the games to really soak up the enthusiasm and everything like that. But it's so funny because 2007, it wasn't like oh 2007, uh, the team won 80 games and or 85 games, and they they, they just started getting progressively. No, they were the worst team in the league in 2007. <laughs> yeah. It was a 31 win difference from 2007 to 2008. 66 games, huh? Yes. That's what they won in 2007. I mean, they had... 97 and 65, still the best record, regular season record in Rays history. And and really, that 2007 season had flashes Mm -hmm. of what it could be. You know, very little little ones because, you know, they did only win 66. Um, But, I mean, we had Pena's incredible season to watch yeah. i mean that that was his best season ever and that was in 2007 and, and there were um starting pitchers and, and and the bullpen kind of you know there were spots there that you could say okay this could get better uh, and and those arms just transformed yes. 2008 i mean if you look at the at the age the median age of that starting rotation it was like 25 26 mm-hmm. years I mean it was a young young team but in the bullpen it kind of flip-flopped it was an older uh team led by Troy Percival of course I mean that team had the mix of young and veteran uh leadership there that I don't think the race have ever been able to do that again the right. race have just kind of gone young with maybe a couple of veterans sprinkled, you know, right here and there. But that team was a mix, a true mix of young people and veteran guys. Right. Yeah. You had Percival and you had Eric Hinsky and you had Cliff Floyd and not just like guys who'd been in the league for a while, but like pr- could provide leadership and guide the young guys through. Because that was like the year of, oh, Evan Longoria is going to get called up and he's going to make an impact. And then David price towards the end of the year and everything Mm -hmm. like that. It was also the year that it was that us against them mentality. Like Uh, the Rays were finally good. And it's like the Yankees and Red Sox are like, wait, no, this is our division. 
Mm-hmm. And that's where, I mean, it, it all started with the Elliot Johnson sliding or, or <laughs> running into Francisco Cervelli in a spring training game. Yeah. Like that, that kind of sparked the, Hey, we're not going to back down. Okay. You yeah. guys might have make more money and have bigger names and have, uh, have more of a legacy, so to speak, but no, we're going, we're good and we're not going to back down. And then we learned it was what, Johnny Gomes. Yes. Who I think, uh, tried to start a fight after Shelly Duncan. Yes. Uh, slid into second into Aki a little bit, uh, harsh there. And mm-hmm. Johnny Gomes lost his mind from right field. It was awesome. It, and, and, and again, we, like we talked about last, um, week, James Shields, uh, you know, doesn't back down from a fight yes. at Fenway mm-hmm. um, with Coco Crisp. Yeah, it was a different mentality. That us against, you know, the world. Um, and it was such a fascinating thing to watch. And, and you love that. Yes. You know, as a fan. Oh, man. Are you kidding me? Uh, going against two big monsters like the Yankees and the Red Sox and you take them down mm-hmm. and then you get to, uh, you know, not only cut the Yankees, you know, years long streak of going to the postseason. That's the first year they don't go to the postseason at all as a right. wild card or as a division uh, leader for, I think, like 10, 15 years. I don't know. Been a while. Yeah. Definitely yeah. since the Devil Rays were existence in existence. Exactly. That's for sure. Um, and then you get to play the Red Sox for the ALCS. And boy, was that a great series or what? I mean, uh, it tugged at your emotions. I mean, the, the Rays were one win away in Fenway. They lose a, a comeback uh, victory by the Red Sox, I think, in game four or game five. Uh, they stretch it to game seven. Matt Garza delivers such a beautiful game seven. He gets the MVP there. I mean, really, if you, were, if you weren't a fan of the Rays in 2008 and you watched – what that team did in 2008, and you didn't become a fan, you didn't really love baseball uh, because that team was something to watch. Yes, it was indeed. And of course, Aki Iwamura getting the last out of game seven of the ALCS. We won't harp too much on the World Series because it was very like anticlimactic. Oh, five games, it was crappy weather well, in MLB Philadelphia. MLB us, but whatever. Yeah, MLB tends to do that with the Rays, but it is what it is. It happens. What's funny, you mentioned Johnny Gomes. Like, that is a guy that I would always want in my corner. Like, oh, yeah. starting a fight. Okay, I've got, I know Johnny Gomes. Like, he looked like an MMA guy. He, I feel, I feel like in another life, in another career, he'd be a boxer, MMA guy, some type of fight. Like, he brought the intensity, that's for sure. You know who's another guy? Carlos Gomez. Yes. I mean, those are the kind of guys that those, those kind of, "Quote unquote hotheads, yeah, that you want in your corner. You you want to be best friends with them because you don't want them in the other dugout. And I think Yasiel Puig might be that kind of guy, right? Yes, you still so hasn't signed yet. I don't think. <laughs> yeah, all this time um, now. I mean, there's been time to sign him, and nobody has signed him yet. Ah, uh, you know, you don't want to, you know, uh, rumor on something that uh, might not be true. But I mean. If you're not good in the clubhouse, you're not good in the clubhouse, and people right. get to talking about that. Yes. But really, um, 2008, man, Trevor Miller, Dan Wheeler was in that bullpen. Um, John Jaso, I looked up, uh, had 10 plate appearances. I totally forgot about that. Uh, John Navarro was an all-star, an yes. all-star. 
all-star I mean, that, catcher. Can you believe it? In the Rays. <laughs> yeah. That team was just unbelievable. I mean, Andy Sonnenstein was providing really good production. Edwin Jackson, James Shields, Scott Kazmir. Oh, mean, that rotation. That was like – I don't think you had a guy that had like a sub-3 ERA – but everyone was everyone was like a three and a half ERA guy. You yeah, knew you three and a half or better. It was amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was incredible what what those guys provided, and and Joe Madden really leading a, a team with mixed ages in MLB personalities. I mean, personalities. I mean, twenty year olds uh, to thirty five. I mean, guys that are on their back end of their career that just kind of want to have their last hurrah, and guys that are not even appreciating the fact. That they're taking down Yan- the Yankees and they're they're taking down the Reds the, the, the Red Sox. I mean, you have to create a clubhouse that meshes well and that whole nine equals eight, mm-hmm. uh, you know, mentality from two thousand eight was amazing. You know, nine players playing nine innings uh, to get one of those eight final spots uh, to go to the playoffs. Nine equals eight. It was it was a beautiful time in Tampa Bay. One of these days, it'll be nine equals fourteen. It'll be fourteen playoff teams. They, they they might have to redesign that. Maybe I don't know. Twenty six equals four. It takes a group of twenty six players to to get the one of the fourteen playoffs. Plus, I don't know something like that. Gross. Yeah, Kevin, gross. Hey. Um, by the way, uh, you. It's funny because that year, like, it wasn't a great offensive team, really. I no. looked it up, and there were only two guys who had an OPS above 800. Like it wasn't just like it was definitely pitching and defense. That was the thing. Huh? Two guys with an 800 OPS. I know it's not trivia, but I'm gonna make it yeah. Monday trivia. I'm gonna go with Evan Longoria. Uh huh. And I'm gonna go with Carlos Pena. That would be correct, sir. Man, they were a great one-two yeah. punch. Actually, they Carl Crawford one-two. didn't even have that great of a year. He only played – I mean, he missed like 50 games, and it, it just wasn't a great historical year from Look Carl Crawford's vantage point. Man, and how about that postseason by BJ and Evan, though? Seven home runs. BJ Upton almost had as many home runs as he had all of the uh, 2008 season that year, just in the wow. postseason. I mean, his, his, I mean, him and Evan were just going off. Mm-hmm. On the postseason, they were just going off, and, and they were just so great. It's so great, man. They, I that's mean, really, you, yeah. That's when you look back and like, yeah, that's why Evan Longoria was what he was in Tampa Bay, and now you yeah. look now, and he's a shell of himself in San Francisco, and he's he's swinging at at curveballs that are two feet outside the zone, and, and yeah. Did you see that uh, that yeah. that Twitter video, man? I was no like, boy, man, no, that no, does boy, no, not no. look like the Longo that we still love here in Tampa. Not, hey, Father Time, it gets to you at one point or another. At some point, it's going to hit Tom Brady. I'll, I'll, I'll really will it though? Will it? Oh, he might retire before it gets to him. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but the other, the last thing I want to mention about 2008 is like that run actually started like it had been in the making for if you think about it like four or five years if you go back to some of the trades Mm -hmm. that the Rays had made and those guys ended up being productive like the Delman Young trade in 2003 Mm. that yielded Bartlett and Garza which still is providing that tree of of that trade is still going on it's amazing exponentially it's just helping 2000 that trade got Shane Boz Tyler Glass now and Austin Meadows. Like, that's still going on. Yes. 2004, the Rays got Scott Casimir from Victor Zambrano. 
no relation to Ulysses Zambrano. I just want to point that out. <laughs> I don't no, think there is all. a relation. No, anyone. none at all. <laughs> uh, 2006, the Rays traded Aubrey Huff for Ben Zobris. Mm-hmm. 2007, the Rays signed Carlos Pena to a minor league deal. 2007, the Rays traded Ty Wigington for Dan Wheeler. 2007, the Rays traded Seth McClung and got Grant Balfour. What a great trade. Yeah. Because Balfour, man, remember against the White Sox, he was like trying to fight somebody? I don't remember who. Yeah. Grant Grant Balfour was also one of those guys that you always want in your corner, too. <laughs> yes, add him to that list. Yes. Still we in should do, shape, too. Uh, Wasn't he at Spring tra- or at Fan Fest? Yeah, yeah, we saw him there. You know, we should do a list of players we want in our corner that have ever worn a race. That uh, might be jersey. that might have to be an episode. Actually, no, I think that will be an episode. That is a great <laughs> idea from Ulysses right. right there. Either this week or next week for sure. There I love go. that. That is a yeah. great, great idea. Uh and then of course the Rays had acquired JP Hall in 2006 too. Two two quick things I want to note. Okay, walk-off wins. How many do you think the Rays had that year, 2008? Walk-off wins, I'm going to go with seven. Twelve. Oh, man. It all makes sense. Like, with that, with with the offense not being, like, that great, it certainly wasn't as good as the Red Sox. Like, you had to have a little bit of help and luck and and a little bit of gumption on your side. Yes. That is crazy because, uh, you know, that can go, you know, 50-50, right? Yes. Walk-off wins usually, you know. So, yeah, 12. I mean, that that gets you down to 91 wins mm-hmm. you know, if you go 50-50. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. No, really, 2008 was a magical, magical run. And it got me to be the obsessed, passionate fan that I am today. And I'll always remember that year really, you know, very fondly. Yes. And finally, what month... Do you think the Rays had, I mean, what was their best month record-wise, do you think? I think they started really hot. So I'm going to go with April. It was actually August. April, I think they were 14 and 12. I looked it up. Really? Yeah. It was August. And quickly, what do you think that record was? I'm going to go I'll say they played 28 games. Okay, I'm going to go with uh, 19 and 9. 21 and 7. Wow. That is crazy. Incredible. They were rolling at the right time. Yes, they were. After the All-Star break where everybody was counting them off after that seven-game losing streak. Yeah, that's what you get for counting the Rays off. That's right, baby. Counting them out. They, they, people always do that. They, they, were, they were counted out last season a lot as well. That's for sure. Yes. And we saw what they did. All right, that wraps up this edition of Locked on Rays. Yeah, play your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked on MLB. Hope you all have a wonderful day. Stay safe, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.